Well, good morning again. Welcome to H2O Church. You guys excited about this morning? Beautiful sunny day. Yes. I'm so excited to be teaching here. It's always great to be here and to see what God is doing here at H2OBG. We're really thankful for every one of you that's here. We really believe that God wants to speak to all of us through the worship, through the fellowship, through his word today. And I'm just really excited about sharing uh, about the up in and out that we've been going through these first three weeks. Last week, if you were here, Brian Wiles uh, talked about how important our relationship with God is. That's the beginning of everything. That's the foundation of it all, is you intimately uh, being with God and hearing from God. And today, we're going to be talking about the in portion, our relationships with one another. And so really learning to love one another and be a church where we're connecting with one another, that's something that's really important to us and that we want you to experience. I love sharing this, this topic. I love talking about relationships. And I always share this story that I was a person that lived with a whole bunch of guys before I was married. I'm kind of a late bloomer. I didn't get married till I was 30 years old. And when I was engaged and very close to getting married, it dawned on me that I was going to live with this woman now, just the two of us. And it made me reflect upon all the guys that I lived with prior to that. I grew up with five brothers and my dad. So right off the bat, I lived with a whole bunch of guys. And then through college, my parents bought this house here in Bowling Green, and uh, that house I lived in five or six years. We had all kinds of guys there, and I went to leadership trainings. Anyway, long story short, I totaled up all the guys that I lived with from the time I was born till I was 30 years old, 55 men. <laughs> yeah, that's overwhelming. That's a lot of stink. <laughs> that's what I remember. And then I got to live with this beautiful woman that smelled so good. It was quite, quite the contrast. But you know, when I thought of all those relationships, I found my heart welling up with thankfulness of how important those men and that community meant to me. Every one of those men pointed me to God. Every one of those relationships showed me something about myself and God that really benefited me the rest of my life. So I'm very thankful to have all these different relationships. I, I brought a picture of some really close relationships. Of course, my wife is one of the most important friendships in my life. This other picture that's there, that little group is a, a huddle, a, a Bible study that my wife leads and. And she comes home and tells me all these awesome, deep stories about how these women are connecting with one another. And then down on the left there, one of my best friends, Matt uh, Oshesky, and his wife, Gretchen, and of course, Pastor Brian and Sarah there. These are deep, deep friendships. These are deep relationships that have really impacted me, that know everything about me. These are people that have pointed me to Christ in a, in, a, in a way that I could never even express to you on a Sunday morning. And so this is what we long for you. This is what we pray for you, that you would have this inner circle. You would have these five to ten people in your life that know everything about you and that you really experience the community that, that God talks about in the scriptures. So let's pray and ask him to speak to us uh, through his word. God, I am so humbled and so thankful for the community of friends that you've brought me into. 
Lord, I am so thankful for how all of those people have loved me, corrected me, forgiven me, taught me uh, so many different things that I've needed in my life. And God, we come to you humbly and we say, Lord, we want authentic community. We want to reflect friendship in a way that, that shows the people around us that you're real and that we really value your scriptures. So God, we need your help with this because we're, we're flawed people. And so we come before you this morning and ask you to help us to speak to our hearts, to speak deeply to us, and to really change our friendships into what you want them to be. Help us with that in Jesus' name. Amen. So just to reiterate these, this up in and out, to say it in a different way, uh, one of the primary things that we're trying to do at H2O is to connect Jesus to you, to really connect you to Jesus. Again, that's the starting point. We can't have quality friendships if we're not really experiencing Jesus on a regular basis. And so that's what Brian talked about last week. And then after that, what flows out of our relationship with God, this vertical relationship with God, is this connecting people to community. That's what brings us closer together because we all love Jesus and we're intimate with Jesus. And after we have that awesome community, we hope that that overflows into connecting this community to the mission to show the world, to show this city and all the people outside the church that God loves them, to the mission of sharing about Jesus. And you know, over the years, um, you know, you, you say something like that and people are like, yeah, I kind of get that. But you still run into Christians all the time that feel like they can just do this Christian experience on their own. And maybe you fall into that sometimes. Maybe you're sitting there and thinking, man, I kind of just want to be to myself. I want to be a lone ranger Christian. But the Bible makes it very clear that is not God's plan for you to live in isolation. And even though there's people all around you, and maybe you come here on Sunday morning, maybe you're sitting there thinking, do I really need to dive in to community? Do I need to get deep with people? Well, the Bible tells us these one another commands. They're all through the scriptures. There's over a hundred one another commands. Serve one another, love one another, care for one another, bear one another's burdens, forgive one another. All these commands, over a third of those are just talking about loving one another. So if you've ever had any doubt about how much God wants you in community, know this, you and I can't obey many of the commands in the Bible unless we're in authentic community. There are no Lone Ranger Christians. That's not God's plan for you. He doesn't want you to live out your Christian life without partaking in all these awesome one another commands. This is about a team effort under our Heavenly Father, God, being the coach, being the leader of this team, and us being close. So let's look at John 13 where Jesus really makes this clear to his disciples. And just for the context of John 13, this is the Last Supper. Jesus has gathered together his close band of friends. Jesus really modeled this closeness with an inner circle. People that he loved and forgave and was close with and trained and, and talked deeply with, and they really lived life together, something we're striving for as a church. 
and he's getting very close to going to the cross. So these are kind of in the, in the chapters of, chap, of John, the book of John, where these are some last words that he's giving to his disciples. And here's what he says in John 13, starting in verse 31. <clears throat> when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, referring to himself, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, And glorify him at once. Little children. He's talking to the disciples. Yet a little while I am with you. Because he's going to go to the cross. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews. So now I say to you. Wherever I am going. You cannot come. Verse 34. A new commandment I give to you. That you love one another. Just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this. All people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus says this interesting thing to them that a new commandment I give you, but it really wasn't new. This is something that had been said all through the Old Testament and all through his time walking the earth with them. And what is he talking about? I think he's talking about a a newer depth than they've ever imagined, than they've ever experienced. He's saying, I'm going to go to the cross, I'm going to ascend to heaven, where I'm going into heaven, you can't come, you're going to stay here, and you're going to be this team on this mission, but you're going to need a newer level of love for one another than you've ever experienced in your life. And this is really powerful for you and I right now. We might have an idea of what love is and what friendship is. And, and there's times where I think, yeah, I got friends. And, and maybe you think, I'm pretty good where I'm at. But is your friendship with your inner circle really at the depth of what God is talking about in the scriptures? And that's what Jesus is saying to them. He says, a new commandment I give to you. I want people to look at your relationships and just looking at your relationships say, wow, they have something special there. They must be Christians. They must be Christ followers because their love is so deep. He says, by this, by this love, this intimacy, this this authentic friendship, all people will know that you're really following me. Because of this love that you have for one another. And man, the disciples took this to heart. They went after it. They banded together with a love and a depth. And really that vision that Jesus gave them for friendship and community, it happened. It went to reality in Acts chapter 2. What Jesus proposed to them, they really took seriously and tried to make into a reality. Here's what we see in Acts chapter 2. We talk about this passage a lot in church because it's what we're trying to model in community. In Acts chapter 2, after they've received the Spirit and the gospel is spreading and many people are coming to Christ, this is what they said about the early church in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Verse 45, 
And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So there's a lot in this passage, but it kind of paints this beautiful picture of the intimate community that they had in the church. They were devoting themselves to the scriptures, to the apostles' teachings. So they would gather together and they'd read the word and they would pray together. They'd have communion together. They'd go to people's houses and eat and have fellowship. They were together sharing things. This person had a need and people would help out. And then this person would have a need. And they're, they're all mindful and aware of the needs in each other's lives. They would get together to worship and praise God. And because of this amazing community, people were looking at them saying, wow, this is special, and I want to be a part of that. And God was adding to them day by day those who were being saved. So it was amazing. It was an amazing community that, that you and I today here 2,000 years later, we look back at that and we say, that's what we want. That's the high bar of friendship. When we talk about in, this is what we're reflecting upon. And I've shared this story many times before, but it's such a good story that I, I just love sharing it over and over again. When I was first becoming a Christian at BGSU my freshman year, some people from H2O came, shared with me through this spiritual interest survey, and I gave my life to Christ. And it was pretty crazy and amazing, and my life changed, and it was just uh, a very dramatic change for me because of my past and, and where all this was leading. And I got to be involved in this really great community of people that were really zealous for God and excited. And I remember going to my first church event. It was a life group, and I went, and I was so nervous. And the guy that brought me, I said, man, don't leave me. Like, just stay next to me the whole time. He's like, yeah, yeah, no problem. I'll do that, you know, because I was nervous. And as soon as we got there, he split on me. Right away, I was like, ah. Oh. And I was just so nervous. And Wendy Staniger came up to me. Yes, we're about the same age. And we were in college there together. And Wendy came up and just started drawing me out and asking me questions and, and loving on me and encouraging me. And I was just like, wow, this is awesome. And as she was talking to me and interacting with other people, I was watching this community of people, and I could sense the love and the acceptance in this room. And again, I hadn't, I hadn't really read the scriptures. I didn't know anything about this or about John 13. And I remember leaving that Bible study thinking, surely God was there. That was the thought that came to my mind. Surely God was in that place. And so as you and I model that kind of love and acceptance and encouragement and worshiping God together, there are people that see that and say, man, God's real. Jesus is real. And I want to be a part of that. That's the mark that we're looking for as a Christian. The mark of a Christian is love. And I often wonder if people see H2O, if they see Christianity and they think, yeah, that's, that's what I see about them. They really love one another. 
And, you know, when you think about this mark that we want, um, you know, it, it helps us take a deeper look into what people see when they see us. And, you know, <clears throat> I want to show you some pictures here because any chance that I have to talk about football, then I love to talk about football. And it is the beginning of the football season, so I get to share a football analogy with you. But you know, when you see certain types of football fans, you can instantly identify with who they are. If you know anything about football, and there's some pictures that are going to come up here. Um, I'm not sure which ones come up first, but anyway, the top left, the Eagles fans, fly, Eagles, fly, okay? That's my team. That's who I root for. My mom and dad are both from the Philadelphia area. And I remember seeing them in the Super Bowl in 1980. That was the first time I really got into the Super Bowl. I know half of you weren't alive at that time. But that's when I started loving the Eagles. And then you see the cheese heads, right? I mean, everybody sees the cheese hat and you think, yeah, Green Bay fans. That's what they do. Okay, then you got your crazy Buckeye fans over here. And when you think Oakland Raiders fans, what do you, scary, right? They're the scary people. They, they, their team is, is feared. They used to be even more feared than they are now, but their fans are super scary. <laughs> and then the Browns fans. Yeah. <laughs> Just, if you see a fan crying, that's, that's usually a Browns fan. I, I root for the Browns fans. I love the Browns. I, I love you Browns fans. You're the most loyal, committed people. So when you see these pictures, you think, yeah, I, I get what that team is. And man, this is what we all want. This is what we long for, that people actually see us. They don't see the eagles fly. They don't see a cheese head. They don't see, you know, a scary mask like a Raiders fan. But we want them to look at us and be like, wow, that group of people's different. And wouldn't it be amazing if they looked at us and say, man, they love each other so much, they must be Christians. And that's what they thought of the early church, and that is what we're wanting. So how do we do this? Let's get to the practical. How do you and I do better with these deep friendships that the Bible is talking about? And again, this is kind of the big idea of this morning, is that we don't necessarily need more friends in our lives. Sometimes we find value in that, that I have 20 friends, 30 friends, 50 friends, 100 friends, 972 friends on Facebook. But what we need is not more friends, but a different type of friendship. That's what each of us need. We need a different type of friendship. And here's three ways that we can do that. As I go through these three ways, I want you to think a couple things. One, this is what you should be looking for in your inner circle. But then also ask the question, are you providing this for others? Is this how you are with your friendships? Number one, you want a friend that builds others up. You want a close friend in your life that builds you up and encourages you. If you have someone in your life that's tearing you down or makes fun of you, or every time you walk away from that relationship, you're feeling deflated or you want to quit in life, that is not someone that God is putting in your life to be in your inner circle. 
We need to be picking friends. We need to be choosing the friends that really lift us up and encourage us and empower us. And we walk away feeling more excited about serving God and more excited about who God made us to be. Because when you talk about this series of of being yourself, you know, be who you are. Let me be me then I want those friends in my life that know me, that know my spiritual gifts, that know my strengths and weaknesses, and they're encouraging me in that. You know, as I see a lot of friendships and I see people tear each other down, even in in joking, you know, or people settle for their really close friendships because uh, maybe they feel negative about themselves and they don't feel like they deserve any better. Or there's just such a negative culture in our world right now, we can become desensitized to the negativity and the skepticism and the people that that rip on us and maybe we're ripping on ourselves or we're critical of ourselves in our own mind and we put up with it and it becomes a cruel relationship. That is not anything close to what is a God-honoring friendship. So are these people building you up? Proverbs 12, 25 says it so well. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. You want people in your life. God wants people in your life that are building you up with kind words, that's cheering you on, that's feeding your heart. And if you're in an inner circle of people that are not giving that to you, God really wants you to think twice about the people that you're opening up your heart to. That doesn't mean that we don't love all people. That doesn't mean that we don't show kindness to all people or we try to influence all people. We're not talking about that as a clarification. We're talking about your inner circle. God wants you to have people that are building you up and encouraging you. The second point that God wants you to have in your friendships is a friend that seeks transparency. This is one of the most important things in my life that really keep me as a pastor safeguarded from failure. All of us are tempted to be derailed in our lives, to make terrible decisions, to leave the faith, or to give in to temptation, or to just do dumb things that ruin our lives. And God has provided us community as a safeguard. Just you and your relationship with God, believe it or not, might not be enough. Because when you're not hearing clearly from God, or you're just really not connecting with God, or maybe you're deceived in some way, the Bible says through the abundance of counselors, There's wisdom. Because as close as I can be with God, sometimes we're just filled with irrational thoughts. We're filled with lies. And those close friends that really know us, they're the ones that can get in our face and say, what are you thinking right now? What are you doing? And they they know how to give you the right questions with openness and love and transparency. And these are priceless relationships in our lives. You have got to be able to take off the mask, take off the facade with some close people in your life that you can tell anything to. 
No exaggeration. Those people in those pictures that I showed you before, Brian and Maddo and even my wife with Gretchen and Sarah and these other best friends that I have, I have a group of best friends, they know everything about my life. They know all the highs and they know all the dark places. And they know the ways that the devil would try to derail me and tempt me. And that is an incredible safeguard for me to have those people that know everything, even my past failures, and that they can ask me the right questions at timely intervals, weekly or every other week or at the most once a month and say, how are you doing in these areas? Do you have friendships like that? Do you have friendships where people know everything about you? You're truly open with them regularly. Because if you say, I have good friendships, but then you have doubts going on in your mind or temptations or sin in your life that you have not invited other people into, then you're not experiencing that authentic community that God wants for you. And it's sweet. It is, it's painful at times to be that open with people, but once you have that, it is so sweet, and it's what God wants for you. This third thing, ultimately, is a friend that points us to Jesus. Our inner circle has to encourage your relationship with God. They have to be aware of what God's doing in your life and always pointing you to Jesus. Now, if we have people in our lives that are not Christ followers and they're not pointing you to Jesus, of course we love them. Of course we have those friendships and we're trying to influence them for Christ. And next week we're going to talk about that when we talk about the out. We want to build relationships with people to lead them to Jesus. But when we talk about our inner circle and our best friends or people that if you know, for some of you that aren't married yet, and you're thinking about the relationship that you're going to pick to be your lifelong best friend, surely that's a high bar. Surely that is someone that needs to be pointing you to Jesus. And what do I mean by that? I mean, do these people say, hey, how's your time with Jesus? Hey, are you getting time away to read the word and pray? What have you been praying about? What are you reading? Because sometimes we pick our inner circle of friends and I think, well, they don't oppose my Christianity. They're not against me. They're for my Christianity. But are they pointing you? Are they pushing you in a relationship with Jesus, challenging you with love and grace? I love this in 1 John 4. Our relationships are based on Jesus. That's the center of our relationships, the center of our marriages because of 1 John 4. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atonement for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. You see, this is so important that we understand God's love and that he is the center of our relationships because this is where all the forgiveness comes from. Okay? If you and I want really good friendships, you're going to have to weather through a lot of hurt. Okay, let me say that again. If you want 
awesome, deep, intimate, lifelong friendships, you're going to have to weather through the times when they hurt you and when they scar your heart. Because all of my friendships have had that. And that's what brings intimacy. And the way that you weather that is by knowing that because God has forgiven you, you can forgive other people. That's where that fuel comes from, to repair my marriage, to repair my hurt with my friends. That, gosh, you should know better. I can't believe you said that to me. That hurts me so deeply that you said that, and I thought we were close. And is that relationship going to part right there? Is that marriage going to fail? No, that's where Jesus comes in and says, you can forgive one another because I forgave you. And so the gospel is the essence and the foundation of these great relationships. Because you and I, we're all broken. We're totally messed up. I hurt people. People hurt me. That's just part of that human experience. So if you're looking for a church that's never going to hurt you, or you're thinking, I want to go to a city group, or I want to go to a group, and I want to open up to these people, and I want to get to know them, and I sure hope they're not going to ever hurt me, because maybe this is the right place for me. Ah, we're going to let you down. Because we're all broken. And we almost, in a cynical way, but in a realistic way, we expect that. It's okay. We, we mess up sometimes and we fail one another. But we're not building relationships with perfect people and we're not building relationships because we're all awesome. We're building relationships because God is awesome. And he's the one that mends those, those hurts that can cut us so deep. Some of the most painful moments, some of the most hardest times of just conflict resolution in my life, those are some of my closest friends. So here's a question for you to ponder. Up to this point in your life, is the longevity of your close friendships only as far as the first hurt? Is the longevity of your close friendships only go as far as the first hurt? Because if you're going to bail on every hurt that comes, you will live your life alone. You've got to invite Jesus in to forgive, to do conflict resolution, to overcome and talk about those hurts together and allow God to build intimacy. So as we pray here, I just want to pray that your next step would be that if you're feeling alone here in this church, that you would, you would open up to this community, this idea of community. Maybe your next step is to join a group. You know, all of our groups are starting over again here with August and September coming. We have small groups. We have life groups. We have city groups. We really want you to dive in and give this a chance to let people know you. Let yourself be known and get to know people. And one of the best ways to do that is to go to a group this week. If that's something that scares you or something you've never done, you're like, gosh, I just don't know. I'm not going to know anybody. I know what that felt like the very first time. 
People will accept you. People will be happy that you're there. So give that a shot. Also, another great way to get connected is through the well. Getting involved in the well really helps you get a little bit more knit in to H2O. And they'll match you up with a 112 partner, which is someone that's going to meet with you regularly just to mutually encourage you. And it's another great step to just start building community. And then lastly, just surrendering to Jesus. Will you let him define friendships in your life? You know, will you come to him and just say, God, what do you think of my friendships? What do I need to do differently? And let him speak into that to to take something from this message or take something from these scriptures and let that affect the people that you're allowing in to your inner circle. Let's pray for those things.